Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Farm. Hamo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, it is an exciting week for our podcast. Obviously, I'm going with the exciting first because we're going to have to discuss this Everton game in a minute and we're just going to be... We don't want this podcast to be depressing, <laughs> so we're going to try and keep it positive. We're going to try and keep it good. Um, and obviously, before we get into what our week's been all about, the exciting news that we've got is the fact that some of you may have seen on our social media... Uh, that we are now part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, we were approached a little while ago about having our podcast on it. Uh, it's the first UK-dedicated sports network podcast. Um, so we're part of a, a host of, of different podcasts, uh, and it's to raise awareness of, of social and sports podcasts, which is amazing. Um, so it's glad to be a part of that, and you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the future and different podcasts and different things like that. But exciting and obviously we wouldn't have been able to do this without having uh, you as the viewers you who are listening in all the time um, and helping us to grow this podcast which has been amazing and um, so we've been able to grow it in that way which will hopefully get the podcast a little bit more publicity won't it Amo? Yeah mate as I say um, it's exciting times you have to pinch yourself um, sometimes where, where, where we were and where we've become Um but like anything in life, you want anything that you you put you know, that's your passion and you and you put time into to, to get as big and as good as you can get. Um, me and Danny have literally today been discussing the potential of a twenty-four hour football match as well, which is uh, down the line. So there's so many things that um, we're excited about. But but to, to be part of the sports social network, um, it's just great. And as I say, I've always said I'm a podcast enthusiast. I know you are. We've spent many times texting bonding over the Peter Couch Peter podcast. And here we are now, podcasters ourselves. Um, a bit mad, a bit crazy, but yeah, let, let, let's go with it. Let's roll with it. Let's see what happens. Um, big company, a lot of big podcasts alongside us. And um, yeah, let, let's see what happens. It's exciting. It's good. 
it's good to be out there. It's good to be a bit more, say, global. And uh, yeah, let, let, let's keep doing what we're doing. And we, we've, we've got plenty of guests lined up. Um, me and Danny have plenty of discussions, you know, behind the scenes. And, you know, we, we take feedback and let's see where it gets us. But it's definitely exciting. And uh, yeah, I mean, considering the plus results recently, I think we need something to get us excited about, don't we? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I suppose it just emphasised the whole point, doesn't it? That don't let anyone tell you that you can't get somewhere in life by just chatting crap all the time, because this is what's going on. <laughs> so we've I mean, speak for yourself, Danny. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. Well, uh, as I said, we started off on a positive, but we're going to have to come down, because this week, obviously, a big part of our discussions is all about the Everton game, the derby. We were on here last week with Kieran, and we were chatting about how Liverpool were looking good again. We had a really good game against Leipzig, and it's going to take us nicely into this derby and the passion that's behind it. And then we just kind of felt a bit. And it was just, it was hard to watch, wasn't it? I, I really struggled to watch the game. It was just same tactics as before, sitting back. And one of the things that we've said right the way throughout is although we've had different defensive formations, the defence has been pretty solid and it's been the attack that we've been looking at. But the Everton game was kind of both. The defence was really, really poor. That Richarlison goal was just classic schoolboy defending errors. And then we just couldn't put it in at the other side of the field. Like, what did, what did you make of the game watching them? To say disappointing is just beyond belief. Um, I said to them last week, I said, we can't get beat against Evan. Anyone but Evan, because you have to listen to them. And lo and behold, they all come out the caves, didn't they? They all popped up on social media. <laughs> they popped up and you know, stick after the stick. But I mean, they waited 20 years for that nearly, wasn't it? 20 years or something. So 22 years, yeah. Yeah, 22 years. So first and foremost, respect to Everton. You have to give it to them. Um, it was their plan just played out to perfection. And this is the thing about Liverpool now. And I've I've discussed this with a lot of people. And I don't want to kind of I don't want to dismiss the Everton game, but it, it this the problems that we're having at the moment are a lot deeper than Everton. And uh, Everton have always been in my lifetime a top eight to ten team. Um and you know any team in the Premier League have got quality Everton have got quality through the ranks Rodriguez Richarlison Carvalhoon come off the bench um, like Ciawobis they've got plenty of quality it doesn't shock me but I think the underlying problem now is that Liverpool have been found out it, it, it's alright blaming injuries and we do miss our fans that wouldn't have happened in front of 50,000 Liverpool fans screaming it just wouldn't have yeah. um, there's so many ways to look at this Danny but I think the way I'm looking at it is we've just been found out. Mm. And Everton kind of knew if they stuck in there, we'd make a mistake. They knew that the quality's not there that we once had. They know that if they stayed solid at the back, you know, of of from three on on form, maybe with the exception of Salah. Um, but, you know, you can't rely on one player to do every game. And it's just, the game kind of pitted out how I kind of expected to, to be honest with you. I mean, I said 1-0 either way and I hope it was Liverpool. And it went 1-0 to Everton. And it should have been 1-0 because it was never a penalty. That was just a ridiculous decision. But um, that's the way we live in my far and it's just disappointing. I don't want to say that except for fair play to Everton. The tactics played off. You know, it's I, I don't want to sit here and bore people with tactics because everyone knows that what Liverpool do is keep the ball, control the tempo break and break the team down. As, as, as a, lot, a lot of our games, even the last three or four years, have ended up a quick start where we've, we've washed teams away and scored two or three in the first half an hour and with the fans getting behind them 
or if yeah. that doesn't work, what's normally happened is we've kept going with possession. The team have tired and we've got late goals. They're the only two things that have happened with Liverpool in the last three years. And people are getting onto it. So they're getting more solid. They're starting to maybe counter press and hit people that aren't in form. And I'm just not shocked. It's just, you know, if if Newcastle and West Brom, Tonolus, Burnley can beat us, are you mm. shocked at Everton beat us? Because I'm not one bit shocked, Danny. And, um, you know, with a manager of Carly Antonotti's class, you know, and he, 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 he hates Liverpool. He, we've done him. We've done them big time in the past. Yeah. And I mean, you only have to see the celebrations in, in the Everton changing room afterwards to see it's their cup final. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No matter what happens their season, they beat Liverpool this season. That's it. And uh, it's so hard to analyse that, except for it's disappointing. And I'm not one, I don't think any Liverpool fan and anyone listening to this is one bit shocked that we got beat. Hardy. I mean, what about, do you, are you shocked, Danny, or how would you analyse it? Because it's, it's difficult to analyse a game that you knew what was going to happen. It's like putting kids... You you watch kids play football and they all run towards the ball. You can see it happen before it happens and it happens and you're like, well, I've seen that coming. And you giggle to yourself and then Everton, you just think, well, I've seen that coming. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's, that's, the sad, that's the sad reality of it is that I'm not shocked by it. And and that is the, hard, the hardest thing to take is the fact that we're not shocked by it anymore. The fact that... Liverpool have just got into this cycle of playing a certain way and it's just really negatively impacting game upon game upon game. And once you get into a run like this where you start losing and losing and losing, it's hard to break that. It's hard to break that back down and go back to the way that you were before. Um, It it is a difficult one to analyse, I think. First of all, I think you've got to say, yes, it was 2-0. Yes, the penalty decision was ridiculous. But you've also got to say that we were already beat long before that penalty. I think we, we could have not had that penalty given and it could have quite easily have not have been given. Um, and we still wouldn't have won that game because Everton were by far the better team. They played well. We played really, really poor. Um, there was no player that you could look at. And obviously, we're going to analyse it a little bit um, soon and we're, we're going to have a debate about Firmino. Um, but I think you can't you can't look at that team and go, there was one player that lost that for us. Everyone was really, really bad. Even when we made subs, uh, the likes of Nat Phillips came on, obviously for Henderson being injured, and he was he was slow, he was sluggish, he's played really well all season, but that game he was slow, he wasn't really chasing the ball very well. That whole Dominic Calvert Lewin goal from the well, the penalty that led to the goal was from the fact that Nat Phillips was more or less just jogging back and just let Dominic Calvert-Lewin overtake him and go flying past him to be able to get in. So Trent had to go and press as hard as he did. And it was just, it was a tough one to watch. As I said, they played well. We didn't play good enough. And a lot of people are on social media afterwards and saying, oh, well, you've got to support your team. You've got to keep supporting the team. And and like you can't be slagging them off and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, we support the team. We love the team. We've supported it through... Thick and thin. We remember the the days of 2001, 2002 when we had awful lineups and all the rest of it. You don't stop loving your team, but you are allowed to call them out when they're not playing good enough. And that's what we're seeing at the minute. It's just a team that isn't playing well enough. And I'm going to call you out there, 2001. Did we not win the treble 2001, didn't we? Ah, we did, but then we went downhill <laughs> after that. 2005 <laughs> was a fluke. We were there about 2011, 2012. You know, we did. Yeah, 2001. I was like, that was one of the best years of my life. Being a Liverpool fan. Um, <laughs> That's a very good point. I'm ten years too early. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. Um, but yeah, we've seen we've seen Christian Paulson midfield. You know, mm. we've seen 
have your man Kale up right back. You know, we, we, we've been there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and this is the life we've lived. So we can put up with it. We've got a, a tough interior. And there's, a, there's an argument not to slag the team off, but I mean, I, I hear a lot of people saying, and they're, they're blaming the injuries. There's no doubt that the injuries have in fact impacted Liverpool. I'm going to put an argument across, and I know we're going to discuss Henderson. He's a, he's a huge blow in being out for the bench of the 12 weeks. I mean, probably after Van Dijk, he's probably the most influential player in the team. And uh, I'm going to put an argument across. I think it's the, it's the fans that we miss more so than the injuries. We've seen poor Liverpool teams over the years win at Anfield because it's Anfield. A lot of games this season and night games, we're always on prime time. We're always, it's always 5.30, you know, half seven kickoffs. Yeah. Very rarely do we play three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So a lot of our games in Premier League are now under the lights at Anfield. Mm. And um, we're fans. We, everyone, everyone that's listened to this podcast and everyone knows a Liverpool fan, under the lights at Anfield is a different experience than any other football occasion I've ever been to. Yeah. But that's because of the fans. Without the fans, you just don't have that. And I, I would argue that it's maybe more to the fans not being there than injuries. I would say it's a bit of both. I would also say it's a bit of maybe loss of form. When you when you Salah, excuse me, when you Salah for me in the old money, and you've you've come from where you've come from, you know Salah never quite cut it at other clubs. For me, you've done a bit of a trip around Europe. Mane was like the top dog at Southampton. They've come to Liverpool. They are two two. You know, they've been briefed, mm. win trophies, all right, and they've won the two biggest trophies that you can win. Yeah. So they've done it, and I think subconsciously that they're just not quite at the form that they haven't got the hunger because they've done it now. Do you get what I mean? I don't think you have that desire to win the FA Cup or the League Cup. And um, you look at Ronaldo, 36, top goal scorer in Serie A, he's just got that desire that you can't, you can't buy. Yeah, and that's probably what makes him one of the best ever. Like, and I, and I look at Mane, Mane, Salah, and Firmino, who's still been great in parts of the season, but I just don't think they've quite got that desire that they once had before. And when you accumulate that with injuries, you accumulate that with no fans, you accumulate it with all the madness that's going on. Um, I think we should the, the warning signs should have come out of Aston Villa seven Liverpool two. That's when the warning signs should have come out, um, and that's that's where we're at. That's I think that's where we're at. But I think. For me, it's the fans not being there. And uh, you look at that, you, you mentioned that, Phil, today making that mistake. Would he have made that mistake maybe with the fans today? Would he have been a bit more switched on? Mm. You know, um, I don't know, Danny. It's just heartbreaking, really, because the season, more or less, a write-off unless we win the Champions League. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, we've been wrote off before in the Champions League with the final being the Istanbul, haven't we, Danny? We have indeed. We have indeed. Back in those years where we had a fluky team, like I was talking about before. <laughs> Well, I think, and that's what we were saying, and that's the whole point of the discussion and the debate that's going on in social media, is the fact of it is the fans that are making the difference, and it is the fans that change the landscape of teams and games, and some pe- some clubs it's helped, and I spoke about this probably more towards the start of the season. I said about the fact that you look at Everton, Everton, for me, have benefited massively from not having fans in the stadium, and, and I stick by that. Everton fans are the type of fans, they are passionate, they are loyal, but Everton fans are also the type of fans that if their team, they they also they almost have a higher expectation of themselves than what they should actually have. And they believe that their team are better than what they are. And if Everton aren't playing well, their fans get on their backs really, really bad and almost put too much pressure on them. 
Carlo Ancelotti not having that pressure of the fans has enabled him to play a system that Everton fans wouldn't have enjoyed when he first came in. That solid back line, two bags of four, getting them drilled really, really solid. He's had a chance to perfect that and has now got to the stage where he's got a really well-oiled team that are playing good football. But that takes time and he's <clears> going <throat> to do that because of the lack of fans. I think the perfect example is West Ham. Yeah. West Ham fans, are, again, you can put them up there, some of the most passionate fans in the world. Um, got a lot of respect for West Ham. But again, they're the type of fans that they think they think they know the, the, the London Sock Dogs. Yeah. And whenever you get the fans away, and David Moyes, who wasn't really a glamorous appointment because he got appointed, let go, and then appointed again. Mm. It was a safe appointment. You know, and the way these, the, the likes of your Newcastles, your, your West Ham's, your maybe not so much Southampton, but your Newcastle's, your West Ham's, your kind of mid mediocre Premier League teams, how they operate is that they, they kind of just rotate match every couple of years just to kind of, the team played good, the manager's the best in the world, and then they dip. And as soon yeah. as the manager dips, they just replace the manager. Like, you know, all these clubs all just interchange managers. It's like Moyes, Allardyce, Bruce. You know, everyone knows what I'm going on. Everyone knows what I mean. And every so often you get like a wee gem, like a Pochettino at Southampton. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or there's been Southampton been bad recently, but the Rouse Kukulov at, at, at Southampton done all right up until recently. These clubs just interchange the managers. Mm. And uh, it's kind of like soon as the fans are away and the pressure's off, they can. West Ham are just a perfect example of that. Like yeah. the fans are away and they are top dogs in London now because there's not that pressure on boys because the fans aren't there booing every subby makes and stuff. And you see it happening. But for Liverpool, we need the fans. Yeah, Liverpool more so than anyone because we are known to get behind the team no matter what. I mean, the biggest example. And if you haven't heard it already, I get we say this every week, you're not a Liverpool fan. Istanbul, 2005, AC Milan. I don't need to paint the picture for people that know the occasion. Liverpool, 3 0 down at half time. Everyone goes, well, what happened in the changing room? What happened? You know, what did Rafa do? He's just all these famous stories about Jimmy Traore and then Stephen not to come off blob. You hear those Liverpool fans in Turkey, 3 0 down in the European Cup final. I hadn't won a trophy in four or five years, just singing, he'll never walk alone. You didn't hear the AC Milan fans, you heard the Liverpool fans. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. We are the best fans in the world. That's why people hate us, because we are the best fans in the world. We're the most passionate fans. As you say, you've got a couple of lads talking crap on a podcast, and look where we've gone, because we're passionate about what we do. And I think I think that inner desire for Scouser is something that, I just don't think you get it anywhere else, but I'm biased, but screw it, it's our podcast, I can be biased. And uh, I think getting 55,000, you know, scouts or such, I know it's a, it's a continental game at the moment, but I mean, let's say 50,000 Liverpool fans in the stadium every week getting behind the team. Liverpool Football Club missed that. Simple as that. For me, injuries aside, that's what we miss. Yeah. And I think we've got the, the type of players that, that miss that as well, that, that like having that pressure on them. And they need that pressure on them in order to give that extra 10, 15%. We talk about the injuries. You look at our starting lineup against Evan. We had Allison, Kabak, Henderson, Robertson, Trent, Thiago, Wijnaldum, Marnie, Firmino, Salah, all full internationals for their country. So we can't turn around and say, oh, well, we've got a rubbish team out at the minute. And yes, you're never going to be able to replace Van Dijk. Like we all know that. Um, yeah, Fabino, another amazing option that we've got. Even boys to be coming off the bench like um, Keita and uh, other boys like that. 
we we've got as we've still got a solid team of international players there who should be able to perform well. And with the fans behind them, they do perform a lot better. So we do need them. And do it I suppose it answer it asks the question. You're talking about the likes of West Ham, and I think you can put Villa into that category. Yeah. Um, the likes of Southampton and other teams like that. Does it pose the question that right now they are almost overperforming because they've got your, a lot of those players, you look at Southampton especially and West Ham, are renowned for the fact that they bring through young players and young talent. Do you think that they are coming into stadiums like Anfield with no pressure on them because there's no fans and they're performing almost above their own potential? And when the fans yeah. come back, it'll even out the league again because those boys will crumble under the pressure that's normally there. 100%. Danny, you've got a spot on. It's not just about Liverpool and the team. It's the other teams coming to Anfield and Carwell, well, you know what? Plus, there's also a wee... They've got the wee other bonus of, oh, let's beat the champions. Mm. You know what I mean? No one looks at this result in three years' time. They didn't go, oh, well, Van Dijk was out. You know, Henderson's injured. Allison's in bad form. They're from three and in bad form. They'll look back and go, oh, well, you know, Everton beat Liverpool. Mm. You know, Burnley beat Liverpool. And that'll be Cubs to, you know, in, in, in 30 years' time and Sean Dice is 75 and he's he's on a he's on a sport network that no one's ever heard of and they've got him in and he's going there and he goes, oh, and it'll pop up, beat Liverpool in 2021. You know, that's And no one goes, oh, well, Van Dyke was out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It'll be like, yeah. oh, well, Burnley beat Liverpool, Everton beat Liverpool. And that's where that, that, that's how Ancelotti's going to be. You might not win a trophy, but it's going to be oh well, Ancelotti beat Liverpool at Anfield, you know. Yeah. And it's going to be well, actually, you know, there was no fans there. You know, it was a you know, it's that it's counterproductive. So what you're saying is right. Maybe these young boys aren't as, as pressured, but at the same time, they've got the the, the, the buzz of playing the champions, and, mm. it, and it's all these little things that go against you. And I want I'm in times of year professional athletes say. Oh, well, that went against you, that went against you, that went And we know as lads playing football, I've played many seven-a-side games where, you know, you get, personally as a strike but you get the ball in the first minute, next minute you've slotted at home and you've scored after like a minute and seven-a-side, you're like, right, okay, it doesn't matter score now. Next thing, you walk off the pitch after scoring five or six goals. It's where you get the ball in, in other games and you can't even control it and the worst playing the pitch comes and gets off you or it goes through your legs or something and that's just especially about your day goes on. Even in that standard of football that is awful, it's the little differences. So at this level, little differences like playing the champions, that little bit of us, no fans being there. These young boys have less pressure on them, like you said. All these little things added up about because we haven't been getting slow. No one's no one's us. It's only I don't know if I should have said that, but you know what I mean. No one's beat us. That <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, hello to our listeners on Savan Radio Online nine nine o'clock to ten o'clock on Saturday morning there. But um, yeah, I mean. No one's beat. It's just the small little differences, and as I say, the fans for me is the biggest one, and that's it, Danny. That's for me. Injuries aside, I mean, I know we're going to chat about Henderson very, very soon. I think he's probably going to be a bigger miss than Van Dyke himself, but that's my opinion. Yeah, no, and I would agree with you. I think, as you said, we can talk about this all day, and we can come up with reasons why it's happening, why it's not happening. But one of the things that we have to deal with as Liverpool fans is that it's happening. And as you said, it's those little things that make the difference. And we've gone from Anfield being a fortress to now being a place that we go to, wondering whether we're going to get any points at all. And and those types of things stick in your mind, Jordan Games. So as much as we hope that Liverpool are going to turn up in the next game, 
and absolutely smash Sheffield United seven or eight goals, chances are that's probably not going to happen because it takes time to get out of that mindset. And added to that is the fact that we've now lost Henderson for somewhere between six to 12 weeks, depending on this scan that he's about to have. That is a big loss, as you said, especially in the current circumstances with already having lost Gomez and Van Dijk and Fabinho being out and different things like that. Henderson was kind of, he was that linchpin anyway. And I know that you think big of him. Um, he was that linchpin anyway, even when we had a full squad, but especially now. So what what does that what does that leave us? What options does that leave us with Ammo in terms of our defensive problems now? Well, how do you look at this? I mean, Jordan Henderson is just the, the typical zero to hero story, isn't he? He's really has gone from, you know, oh, well, right, okay, go go on loan a form to being everything for Liverpool. Mm. And uh, he's achieved in some ways more than what Gerard did. And, you know, Stephen Gerrard's the pinnacle of our generation of Liverpool fans. Yeah. And you look at what he's done coming in centre back. I don't think everyone agrees with it. He's done a job in certain games. Manchester United, the 0 0 comes to mind. Um, and when you realise when the, what we've had to put in beforehand and, and, and since, that's why he's there. But you mm. mean, everyone's seen, again, if you haven't, then what type of Liverpool fan? Everyone's seen these. Uh, games where they're doing like Jordan Henderson clips and he's literally leading the team. He's conducting the team as, yeah. as he's going along. Um, and it's just a shame. I, I think little, I think little niggly injuries have become a part of Jordan Henderson's career over the last year too, you know. And I mm-hmm. think he's at that age now, 30, 31, where he's probably got another two, three years at the top. And I think his body's starting to pay for what he do, what he actually puts into the, the games. And uh, I think we're just fortunate that we've had the best years of Jordan Henderson, maybe still, maybe a year or two to go as well, but um, we've seen him come back on, he tried to play on, didn't he? Mm. Um, but an answer to your question, Poppy, Danny, he's, he's a huge miss. You know, Van Dijk, Van Dijk is a miss because he's like the Royals Royals at the back, as they say, he's a player that he just makes it, you know, without Van Dijk, Liverpool are a great team. You know, with Van Dijk, we're a, we're a world-class team. Yeah. And with Henderson, we're a great team. Without Henderson, we're an average team. Mm. And it's just kind of... It's just hard to kind of put into words because it's just if you had to pick out all the injury problems that we've got now, if you had to pick the players that we do have available, you'd probably be the last person, along with maybe Salah, that you'd want out injured. Yeah. And uh, there we go. He's out injured now for probably the rest of the season. And then he'll he'll rush back for the Euros in England and yeah, don't get me started. I just it's just heartbreaking, mate. It's just I don't know what to say. Like I mean, it's just heartbreaking. What 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 do you say? I mean, he obviously runs that team. He conduct he's he's the cops conductor. That's what it that's what he is. And uh, what 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 can you say? There's not like I can say that no Liverpool fan listen to this don't don't already know. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I agree, and it's difficult because. In a time like what we're going through at the minute, with everything that's happening with the team, you need leaders. You need people to step up and drag your team through games sometimes. And we we know firsthand because we've seen Gerard do it. We've seen Gerard doing it. We're, we're going to talk in a bit about Firmino and what people think about Firmino. We remember when David Ngo was our main striker and we watched Gerard season on season drag that team through games 
single-handedly picking up results and getting momentum going to the stage that we remember with the whole Sterling, Sturridge, Suarez up front um, and having those sort of glory years under Brendan Rodgers. We remember the, bef- the, the part that came before that. In order to have a run like that and in order to play the way we did, we needed leaders that would step up and drag teams through games. And we had the likes of Gerrard, we had the likes of Carragher, uh, we had the likes of Alonso in different games. We had um, the likes of even Steve Finnan to a certain degree was a great leader within that team. John Arnorisa, we Dirk Kite. We had these characters that were able to drag teams through games. If you look at, at who we're thinking of now in terms of leadership within Liverpool, you're looking at Van Dijk, who is out all season. Trent, who has been out for months and months now. Henderson is probably going to be out for the rest of the season. Salah is probably the only person that we have who leads on the pitch in terms of his performances week by week. He's the only one we have still in that team. So, well, Milner as well, but he's been out half the time, hasn't he? That's, that's the thing. Again, and Milner is sort of a bit par player at the minute, so he's not even on the pitch to be able to make that influence that we need. And and Milner's at the age where he can't drag a team through a game anymore. Um. So it's it's difficult. It's going to be a really difficult situation. And again, we've got some big games coming up. We're playing Sheffield United on Sunday, who are fighting for releg- for in that relegation battle and are needing to pick up points. And are probably thinking to themselves, Liverpool is a game now where we could potentially get points out of this. And then we're going to be coming up against Chelsea, who are flying at the minute under Thomas Tuchel. Um, so I just I don't know what it's going to do for Liverpool's season in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I, I think if you're a Liverpool fan and you're listening to this podcast, strap in because it's going to be a bumpy couple of weeks for us. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you put the you hit the nail on the head. It's the characters, isn't it? Um, I think now off we're down to our fourth choice captain, Genie Van Allen. Yeah, which is like nothing against Genie. Great savings to the club, Dutch international, scored some big goals. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of him in the world, but. When you look at any team down to fourth choice captain, mm. that, that just tells you all you need to know. And uh, Henderson, okay, I'm sure he'll be a lead off the pitch and stuff, but I mean, he's unique in what he does on the pitch. Is like, he's, I wouldn't say everyone says this, and I, I would, I would agree. He's not, he's not, he's not a world class technician, but he's certainly not out of his level at uh, at Liverpool and, and playing and stuff like that. But as for the leadership skills, I would say it's world class. And, you know, we just miss it. It's unbelievable. He's just a great captain. And uh, he, he probably, those few years he had with Gerard probably helped. Um, when he was like eight, 17, 18, playing at Sunderland, which is still a big club, yeah. um, helped him. And uh, he's gone right through the England setups all along. You know, he's he's one of these players that have made the most out of what, what, what they've got. And um, he makes other people make the most out of what they've got. And uh, it's just, it's just a devastating blow down in. I mean, all we really got is a Champions League to fight for this season. Hopefully, we get top four. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, let me ask you a question. I know we're gonna we're kind of take a wee big soon, and we're gonna talk about Firmino, which we're, we're dying to get our hands into. But before we do, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think we'll get top four, Danny? Now that Henderson's out, uh, do you think it's that important that maybe with them we might have, without them we won't? So, well, what's your? Do you think we'll get top four? Because I am. I'm I'm about 70-30 that we won't at the moment. Mm. 
it's it's so hard because the season is so random. We're looking at you were only looking two months ago that that we were singing the praises of Southampton and saying about how they're such a great team, they're playing so well. Now they're in the talk of the relegation battle when they were talking last week and saying who do you think is in this relegation battle? Southampton's name's getting mentioned now. And that's because this season is just so random. And yes, we are seeing West Ham and Aston Villa massively overperform. That that doesn't mean that they won't start to crash and burn, that they won't go on a run of two or three games and get beat and suddenly the the bottom end will come out of them and they'll fall to bits. We just don't know. Right now, I'd stick my neck out and say that we're, we're going to get top four. I reckon we'll get fourth, but I reckon we'll get top four and I'm going to stick with that. Um, I just think I'm not confident at all, Danny. I, I love I love your point of view, but I'm I'm just I don't know. I mean, Jota's coming back. That's a bit of a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, and I think as you said, we're going to talk about Firmino in a minute and the potential options with Jota coming back. Can Firmino drop back into that sort of number ten role or what? I don't know. Um, but I just like to think with the forward line that we've got. Like you'd like to think that we've still got a chance. There's always a hope, and you've got boys like Mane and Salah and and Jota and and Allison in goal and different things like that. You'd like to think that you've still got a chance, and and teams like that shouldn't be outside of the top four. But tell that to Inter Milan and tell that to other teams that are currently sitting really low in their leagues in the different leagues around the world, and and tell them they shouldn't be where they are. It means it means nothing in this crazy season. Um, well, when you're pinning your hopes on uh, Lukaku and Ashley Young, I don't know, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's it's a difficult one, but we'll see what happens, and we'll see what happens in the next coming weeks. Now, we're going to take a little break, uh, and then we're going to be discussing a little bit about Firmino, a little bit about our situation in terms of formations, and then look into the games that we've got coming up. So thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, um, me and Danny have been looking forward to this next pigment of probably 10-15 minutes all week. We've been texting each other. We've had the uh, comments on social media. We've had other people get involved. Um, and recently, over the last couple of months, it has become a bit of a debate. Um, and who am I talking about? I'm not talking about Roberto Firmino. I'm talking about Bobby Firmino. Oh, Bobby Firmino. I'm going to put my 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 um, my argument across. And Danny's going to put his argument across. And I think it's not just us two that disagree on this. There's a lot of people who kind of, you know, on one camp or the other. You know, and my camp is this. What Firmino has, has done for the club, he's still only 28, 29. He still has flashes of brilliance. And my argument is this, everyone not listening. He's been brilliant. To see, we're just having a bad season, and the players around him aren't playing as good, which is making them look less poor. Um, and I think he's brilliant. So Danny's argument is that you know he's kind of he's a, he may be a little bit past his best. We might need to replace him. He's a good squad player, but he shouldn't be starting every week. So it's gonna be interesting. But I'm gonna hand over to you, Danny, before I kind of um, get stuck into you, mate. <laughs> as to <laughs> say, hand it over to you. Um, how on earth? Can he even justify breaking up that from three at the moment when it's kind of all the post got? You know, tell me how you can justify it and then why why you would maybe drop Firmino because I think you're bonkers. But let, let's let's hear it out. 
I think, as it always says, and we've said about this on the pod beforehand when we've spoke about the front three and we spoke about when Jota came in, when we bought him in the summer, there was always that phrase that gets thrown about, which is the same when you think about it opposite, is that I remember you saying to us during the summer, you said, I think Jota won't start because why start him in front of these front three? If it isn't broke, don't fix it. The problem is, is it's broke. It's completely broke. So why shouldn't we try and fix it? And that's the thing with me, and I want to say just starting off, is that I like I like Firmino, love Firmino, love what he's done at the club. He's an amazing player. He has been great in terms of his assists, in terms of helping Salad and Marnie. Marnie came out during the week, didn't he, and said, he said that Firmino is probably, has probably been the most important player for Liverpool over the last three or four years, and him and Salah wouldn't have been as good as what they were if it wasn't for Firmino doing the job that he's done. And that makes sense, and I totally agree with that. And he has been quality for Liverpool but this season he hasn't <laughs> this season 9 out of 10 passes that Firmino gets to his feet goes straight back to the other team he's not providing assists the only recognisable assist that we can think of is the one the back heel that he's done for Salah like, uh, two weeks ago outside of that Firmino's not getting the assists his touch rate isn't as good as what it has been and there's always the debate about the fact that he, he doesn't get enough goals and all the rest of it and as we've said before on this pod that can be looked over when you see the stats of Salah and when you see the stats of Mane and you go, they couldn't have done that without Firmino. Well, you look this season with Salah and Mane and the goals that they're scoring. If you don't have someone that's going to pick that up in that number nine role, then we're absolutely doomed to fail. And when we've got someone like Jota on the bench who has now come back from injury, who before that was scoring goals week in and week out, why shouldn't he be starting over Firmino? For me, he has every right to demand that number nine, well, not the number nine shirt, but he has every right to demand that number nine role and say, I am playing better than what Firmino is at the minute and I should be getting game time. And I would I would totally agree with that. Right. <laughs> Anything else, Rob, before I, I go? I'll go, I'll go to town, Danny. I'm going to go to town now. <laughs> I'll let you work away for now. It's always nice to let you get in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Roberto Firmino joined Liverpool in 2015-2016. First season, 49 appearances, 11 goals. Second season, 41 appearances, 12 goals. Have to admit, first season he was a bit lightweight, mm. and he was a whole there was all going on where he only played well when Coutinho played. Anyway, third season, it's correct me if I'm wrong, was the season that Coutinho left. 54 goals, 54 appearances, 27 goals. Now I'm talking about overall appearances. Yeah. All right. 2018-19 season. 48 appearances, 16 goals. Last season, the, the, the season we won the league, 52 appearances, 12 goals. This season, 35 appearances, 6 goals. So apart from that one season in 2017-18, he's pretty much on course, had the same amount of goals as he had as every other season. But he's been awful, but he's been shocking. But about all the other seasons, are we saying that because all the other seasons we played well, and all the seasons we got lots of goals, that he was playing out of his skin and he was the best player in the team. But all of a sudden now that everyone else is playing bad, it's, it's Roberto Firmino's fault. He's not up to the same standard. I don't agree with this nine out of ten passes that hasn't, hasn't made the hasn't made the uh, to a Liverpool player. I don't get that. Okay. The fact that the assist he done against um against uh, was it was it would be three one. It was Leicester. The assist against Leicester and Salah score. That there, see that was messy. The world will be losing up what? Um and I don't, I don't see a drop on level in, in Firmino personally. I see a drop on level in the team. 
I see a drop in pressing in the team. I see players that are mentally tired. I see players that I think it's not for me. It's a problem. I think he's. I think when you watch him, he reaps quality. You see little times he gets a ball. He's not making boys in fun, but you know, they're in games that we're losing and drawing now. But when we're winning them four 0 he's on the highlight reel. But when we're not winning them four 0 he's not on the highlight reel. And I would argue he's not actually been any worse than any other seasons statistically, because this is what people keep bringing up: goals, goals, goals. Against Everton, there he had a few. Excuse me, had a few chances, and he, he, he just fluffed it. He fluffed it. He fluffed a few, few chances. He did. He did. But he's had a couple of bad games. I. But he's not had this bad season. Everyone's running off and, and talking about the team. Have had a bad season, and he's getting the brunt of it because he's a number nine. And traditionally, we're all stuck in our heads that number nines need number nines need to get goals. I'm a big man. I've played up front since the age of twelve. I've never been pacey. All right, but I've always played up front, and I've always had this whole judgment by people that like, you should be getting goals. And I had, I've had good seasons where I score goals, but I've also had better seasons where I've not scored that many goals. And I've had a little man with lots of pace getting all the goals, and I've been playing my part in the team because it's about winning football matches. It's not about Bobby Firmino getting twenty goals a season because he's only ever done that once for Liverpool. It's about yeah. Bobby Firmino being part of a team that has functioned, and when that team is functioning fully, as Mane has said. He's no better player in the world than Firmino. So when this team is functioning right, I I think that Firmino is going to be back to where he was. And all these Liverpool fans are going to regret, regret what they're saying because the man reams quality. He, and do you know what? I can't wait to see Firmino come good again and have that smile and see those white teeth because he's quality. I respect him so much. I think, in my opinion, he's more important to Liverpool than Salah and Mane at times. Um, and he makes them look better than they are at times. And I think he's an easy, 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 easy scapegoat. And people are wrong. And I'm not having it. He's 29. You know, he's not 39. He's 29. And he's, uh, he's still got a good few years ahead of him. And, uh, yeah, that's me, Danny. Let me just go. <laughs> <laughs> I think, obviously, and this is why it's so much places across the Premier League, across pundits, across teams, across fans. There's always going to be this big debate about it and people are going to sit on either side of the fence. For me, Firmino was never brought in for goals. He was never brought in because he was a 30-goal-a-season striker. Otherwise, he would have brought in Lewandowski or Aubameyang or these other boys that we had options of bringing in. But you brought Firmino in because of what he brought to the team as a whole in terms of his assists and things like that. I, I think that Firmino is quality. He's a great player. But I just think in the current climate that we live in, with football the way that it is and being such a results-driven business, you almost don't have the the privilege anymore of relying on your past laurels, of going, well, he was great two or three seasons ago and he's been consistently good. This season he's not playing well, but we'll let him off because he's been good in other seasons. For me, when you're playing top But level, the whole team, <laughs> you could say that about the whole team. You could, and that's why a lot of the team are... Probably going to get replaced at some point. You you look at you look at a lot of them. Like a lot of the boys that are playing now and couldn't be starting for Liverpool aren't going to be starting in the next two seasons, two three seasons. I think there needs to be a big, and that's the bigger debate of does there need to be a, a big change over that whole thing that Pep Guardiola said in a press conference three or four weeks ago. Now that a team only has a lifespan of three years, and then it needs to be completely changed. Easy enough to say when you've got tons and tons of money and uh, he actually said that in his Champions League press conference yesterday he said that he's only doing as well as he is because of the fact that he has a an untold wealth of money <laughs> which, uh, which just proves where Pep Guardiola is coming from 
Um, it does raise a point that after, and we see it in Liverpool this season, that after three, four seasons, you are starting to get found out because you can't change your tactics with the exact same team. So for me, that's why there needs to be a change up and that's why there needs to be some sort of movement. The only thing that separates Firmino from Salah and Mane is the fact that Salah and Mane are still getting goals. And that and that's well this is the thing. So this is my point. So we I've 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 used um Firmino stats over the last five years. Off that one season he got twenty seven goals. He's more or less not the exact same stats that he's got every other year. So this is why he points about Firmino is because the team aren't playing well and he doesn't get as many goals as the other two, he's getting he's getting unfair flack. And it's like, you you have to. But my argument is this: okay, Jota, okay, he's a very different player. I mean, he's got some great goals, but I don't see some Jota as a, as a focal head. So let let's say let's play devil, devil's advocate, Danny. Let's say you drop Firmino, okay, the weekend you bring Jota in. Now I don't really see it happening because probably Jota's not match fit and. I would see Jota playing some stage, but probably not starting. But let's play devil's advocate and say that Jota comes in on, on um, so Sunday, I think we play Sheffield United, sorry, and um, Firmino comes to the bench. Do you see Jota doing a better job than Firmino in that central role, or do you have to mix the team around more? I, I just don't see how... There's even been games where Klopp's played Jota and Firmino. Mm. Because I just don't... I think Firmino's that important to the team that we're going to play well. You can't drop him. And uh, I don't know. I mean, what these are the argument that you could potentially play Joss up there and drop Firmino in. But I mean, but what would you do? So if you're year can clock down, you've got let's say a fully fit Diego Jota. Yeah. What would you do? For me, I'd be throwing him in. And I think it was said about the stats. It's stats can work either way, I suppose, can't they? Is that his stats have been generally the same if you do what you've done and don't count as assists. But if you count, if you look at his assist, he's only got half the amount of assists this season as what he had at the same time last season. So it's difficult because for me, Firmino was brought in for the assists, and he's not getting them at the minute. Um, but for me, as I said, I still like Firmino, and I think in the current team that we've got, we need a Firmino in there because he, he has something that none of our other players have, which is that he does have that ability to turn on that style and create chances out of nothing. You look at that Salah goal from the other week that came from Firmino's fancy footwork and the back flick that led to Salah's shot. No other player in our team could have produced that. You bring a Diogo Jota in, he isn't making that pass. He's, he's shielding the ball and hoping that it goes out for a corner. But Firmino was able to create stuff. So if it was me being brutally honest with the team that we've got, Henderson being out, I would be looking to drop Firmino in behind and play the Salah... Mane, Jota, with Firmino sitting just behind them to hopefully be able to get him in that rhythm of getting him on the ball more, playing those passes out and playing those through balls that we need. But we do at the minute we just need goals. And for me, Diogo Jota is a goal machine. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree with you um, regarding about percentage off and him. But I mean, I just find it difficult. To, let me ask you a question before we kind of move on because we've got to talk about Sheffield United and uh, Chelsea. Let me ask you a question about Firmino. Um, and w- w- we've both had our, you know, our, our jibes there and our, <laughs> you know, our opinion as such. All in good, and, uh, all in good, all in good faith. We'll say because yeah, good spirit. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, let me ask you a question. I don't. I want to kind of simple yes or no answer. Feel free to kind of elaborate on it if you want, but. Um, do you not think that Bobby Firmino in, in the 
in a, in a kind of way is a bit of a scapegoat for us playing crap at the moment and because he doesn't score goals or do you think that it's all justified? Yes. Uh, yes, I'll answer that properly otherwise it just sounds random. So he is a scapegoat? Um, no, yes, he's being a scapegoat. For me, he's being yeah. a scapegoat. The whole team, as we said before, the whole team isn't playing well at the minute. The whole team is playing rubbish. If, you, if you're going to look at the team, you can't sit there and say, oh, Firmino's the reason that we're losing. Otherwise, you have to start looking at Thiago's awful tackle rate since he's come into the team. The fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold has put in what 50-40% of the amount of crosses he put in at this point last season that have actually hit one of our team. The fact that the, we've got all these injuries, the fact that Wijnaldum isn't playing to his full form, the fact that Henderson's been playing centre-back, the fact that we're having to bring in young lads that wouldn't have been getting their opportunities at the minute into the team. No fans. No fans. No all fans. these different things. There's so many things that are to blame. Um, but as always, when it comes to media and journalism, there has to be someone that they look at and say, right, it's his fault. And Firmino's just that scapegoat at the minute. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's justified. For me, and I'm going to say this to, to, to prove that I'm not biased, but for me, Mane is just as much to blame as Firmino. Mane isn't putting up the goals. He isn't putting up the assists. He's not doing the tackling and uh, the passing by men doing his dribbling in the way that he has in previous seasons. So for me, it's just as much to blame. I think this is interesting and I, I would agree with you as well um, completely. But what you, the whole point of this debate was is that we didn't we didn't magic this debate out of thin air. It's been getting discussed flat out by all the fans across, across, yeah. across the country. You know, across the UK, Ireland, North, everywhere. And this is why we're debating it. But we haven't been discussing money. Mm. But we're discussing Firmino. And that's why I think he's a scapegoat. And that's why I think personally, soon see you start next season with the full strength squad. You would still fancy Firmino to have a season like you had this season before. Last year, you know, I don't see any problem with him. I just see the problem in the team. And it's funny that you mentioned the point about Manny, that he hasn't been the same. And it's, it's so true. Mm. Um, I was actually discussing this with a friend the other day. I was like, Manny's got like, for me, he, he's got lots of skills and tricks, but he, he, in my head, and this sounds awful, and, and, and people might think I'm ridiculous, but please see where I'm going with this. Manny's a bit of a one trick pony. He's got that one kind of, he's got about five skills, which always leading into that one position down on the left where he cuts it past the defender and cuts back on himself and then he's through and he does that and I don't know how often he does that over the course of the season he always ends up in that kind of you know, going past the right back bursting him for pace and he's either through on goal or can set a, set a um, goal up or he wins a penalty or he just does that one move but he has about 10 different ways to get into that one move yeah. and uh, he hasn't been, he's been, hasn't been like that this season and um He's just as much to blame as anyone, I think. But this is a don't like to pick individuals out. But for me, I would say Firmino is our number nine and our number nine for a good few years to come. That's my opinion. But there you go. Uh, um, well, folks, we've obviously got um, Sheffield United coming up the weekend, and then we've got Chelsea next week. Um, both tough games in their own right. Um, and then after, after that, we've got Fulham, um, which we'll discuss in the next pod. But it's an interesting one because Sheffield United. On paper, we should be uh, even the form that wins should be absolutely, you know, tonking them. Um, but football's not that easy, is it, Danny? And if it was that easy, we wouldn't be discussing it. Um, so, how do you feel about the potential of um, Sheffield United the weekend fight? You no, know, they've only got a certain amount of games left where they have to get points, and we're we're not in form, so they'll probably be all over that, won't they? Yeah, Sheffield United, what, fifteen points from safety at the minute. 
Um, generally, haven't played well all season. But, as you said, you come up against Liverpool at the minute and I think they'll be fancying themselves. I think that they're in a dogfight down there and they're thinking to themselves, we need to be getting results. We need to be grinding it out somehow. And I think they're going to look at this game and think to themselves, I, I think we can do something here. Um, I, I don't know. I'd like to think, again, with the team that we've got, I'd like to think that we should be able to do something. But who knows? Who knows what's going what's gonna to happen in this game? Um, but Sheffield United are on a bad run of form at the minute, um, from what I can remember. They're not doing too well. So I'd like to hope that this can sort of be a nail in the coffin for Sheffield United season and Liverpool can get a result. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out because I think the Everton game will have hurt them. And, and I think Liverpool know that they are at a real pivotal stage of the season as the Liverpool fans will stay behind you no matter what. But the Everton, the Everton result is a, is a bitter, bitter blow for the team. And I think they know they've got to try and do something. Um, so I'm going I'm to say that it's going to be 3-1 to Liverpool. I'm going to go with a Liverpool win because I trust the fact that they're going to really try and pull it out for the fans here. And they know that to lose against Everton and then to lose against the bottom of the league is, is going gonna, is gonna to leave a bitter taste in a lot of Liverpool fans' mouths. So I'm going for 3-1 Liverpool. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I agree. I think we will win. Um, but let me let, let me put a wee kind of scenario out there. So getting beat by Everton after how bad it's been recently kind of went from it went from let's say whatever it was to a crisis. Now could you only imagine if we got beat by bottom of the league? I could you? For me, if we don't win this game, it's definitely nice. See you later, top four. It's that bad. Um, then we're coming into Chelsea, so it's, I'd love to just get... Maybe it's called the right time where we just scrape a win and then we've got a bit of confidence, something to build on going into Chelsea because um, football's about confidence. But, I mean, I think we'll beat Sheffield United, but in this mad season that we're in, it's like... What I'm, what, what I'm basically trying to say to everyone, everyone knows how much I hate watching Liverpool against Everton and us getting beat. And we're here because we've been getting slowly stabbed for the last two months. But if, like... If we get beat against Sheffield United, you know what I mean? That that's not the nail in the coffin. That's them putting the, the mud on top of you. That's that, that that's you gone, that's you buried. Yeah. That's the season for me completely and utterly over. And I mean for me, it couldn't get no worse than get beat against Everton. But if we get beat against Sheffield United, I think that's for me, that's from the biggest high of winning the league to about as low as you can go as Liverpool, because Liverpool are always gonna finish the top off the table. No matter mm. you know, we, we've not lived the life where Liverpool haven't. But if Sheffield United beat Liverpool this weekend, for me, it's going to be the lowest of the lowest that we've felt in a long, long time. Um, so for me, I, I think we win. I think we will win, but if we lose, I mean, I don't know what to say, Danny. Um, but what I will say is it brings us on to Chelsea, which is a completely and utterly different kettle of fish, isn't it? Um, Sheffield United fighting for their lives, but we could bury them. Chelsea have just hit this run of form now on the... Um, how do you pronounce his name Thomas Tuchel or... Tuchel yeah yeah he, he, he couldn't really do much of PSG apart from win the French League which anyone who's PSG manager could win um, and now he's at Chelsea for six months which is good but <laughs> 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 he gets that um, but you know obviously that new manager new comes in they got a great great victory there against Atletico Madrid uh, midweek um, and it's a Thursday night fixture which is a bit unusual um, but yeah I mean how do you think to see this one going Danny and 
it's a different, it's a completely different like kind of fight to Sheffield United, isn't it? Because realistically, with Sheffield United, if, if both teams play the best, Liverpool win. As well with Chelsea, it's not that simple, is it? No, not at all. Thomas Tuchel's doing a great job at Chelsea. He's got them really on fire at the minute. And the problem is that we see with Chelsea is that it, they they're almost like Liverpool of last season. Is that you look at that Atletico Madrid game you were saying about uh, Olivier Giroud barely seen a sniff of the ball like since Thomas Tuchel's came in, brought him in for the Atletico game, play quality scored. They've got boys coming off the bench that are playing really good football and he's got a team that are now fighting for positions so they're dying to make a real big impact when they come on. You look at their last number of games under Thomas Tuchel, beat Spurs 1-0, beat Sheffield United 2-1, beat Barnsley 1-0, beat Newcastle 2-0 um, and beat Atletico Madrid. They're not as well as scoring a lot of goals, one of the problems that we have that we haven't seen with Chelsea for a while is that they're not conceding anymore. And in a team like Liverpool that are struggling to get goals, we always relied on playing like a Chelsea and a Spurs because they were always weak at the back and you were able to get shots away against them where you can't against Chelsea at the minute. And I think I think Liverpool are really, really going to struggle in that game. Yeah, I think the goalkeepers have been a great addition as well. There was all this talk, you know, because Kepa got dropped and Frank mm. Lampard brought him. Um, I think it's it's Ed Mard or whatever you call him. Um, great keeper. Every time I've watched him, he's just he's, he's just a great shop stopper, and uh, it's going to be difficult. Um, what I would love to say, and we kind of do this every week, don't we? Before we go into the next podcast, we go. It'd be great to come back next week after a couple of victories. But what I'm going to say is, if we beat Sheffield United and we draw maybe against Chelsea, I see that as a positive week um, four points out of six it's somewhere to build upon yeah. and then we've got the Champions League the, the, the week later um, so yeah for me I'm going to go for a draw in this match um, you mentioned all those results but you forgot to mention the Southampton result where they drew 1-1 yeah. um, and I think there are Chelsea at that stage where they think a point against Liverpool probably a good point for them and it'll almost be a good point for us and you'll be surprised how many games in the Premier League, even in this mad season, where two teams don't want to get beat. beat where they, it's weird, isn't it? It's like when you watch all these relegation battles of the teams, like you just almost you guarantee it's going to be like one one or nil nil. It's it's mad, and you do get a lot of games where both teams don't want to get beat. I think that's what's going to happen with um, Chelsea, and I think it's going to be a, probably a score draw, maybe a one one, um, two two, maybe maybe a one one, and I fancy maybe just both teams not wanting to get beat, and. But I fancy goals in a game, um, like I do in Sheff- against Sheffield United. But for me, if Sheffield United beat us and then we go on to Chelsea, they beat us. I mean, I don't know. But out of two games, minimum four points for me. Um, three wouldn't be end of the world, but has to get four points. If we get, if we, if we're sitting this, this time next week, Danny, and Liverpool have six points out of the two games, happy days, back back on track. Yeah. Um, but Chelsea have got so many weapons. You know, you mentioned Giroud, Hudson Odoi, you know, Mount, Abraham, you know, there's that many of them. He did Hater, Warner, Werner, sorry. There's that many bloody boys that could, you know, it's a scary proposition. But um, let's hope that we have a. a who, who, who are we going to play centre back, Danny, just before we kind of finish the pod this week? Like, who's going to play centre back? Has, Davis hasn't got a sniff. Uh, Fabinho's independence, Quebec's come in, and for me, he's not, he's not really lit the world in shining colours. You know, no. he uh, he got the man of the match against Leipzig, but for me, it was kind of a 
you're giving a man in the match to give him confidence. I don't I didn't really think he was, but who who do you, before we kind of end, who 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 would you go if you have to pick the same centre back playing against Sheffield United and Chelsea with the players that we have, which is Quebec, um, Williams, um, and Phillips, um, and Davis. Sorry, who who would you go for against these two teams? Personally, I have to go Quebec and Phillips only because I haven't seen Davis play. As you said, though, Quebec is has come from a, a team in Schalke that was fighting a relegation battle. He was never going to come in and light up the champions, was he? Like, um, So it's a difficult one, but we've seen him play. We know that he can do well in terms of controlling the ball and, and at least just whacking it out. Uh, Phillips, I think, is a young prospect, a young talent, and I think he should be given time and he should be given a few more chances. Great in the air, gives us an aerial threat that we just don't have on corners. Um, so that's who I'd be starting. But it's it's so difficult at the minute. It's such a powder keg. You were saying there about teams not wanting to lose. It shows what the season's like, that if things go our way, we'll be sitting here next Friday doing this podcast in fourth. If things don't go our way and results don't go our way, we'll be sitting here next Friday doing this podcast with Liverpool in 10th. And that shows what yeah. that is all about this season. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely mental. But uh, let's hope that this time next week we've got two wins out of two and um, we've got a bit of optimism to come back. It's been a great pod, Danny, I have to say. Um, our, our first debate in a while, which is, which is really, really fun. <laughs> uh, it's the first one we haven't had a guest for a while, which is good. Um, but yeah, let's, let, who knows what next week holds. Um, it's been a great, great podcast. And as I say, great to be with um, the Sports Social Network. And it's it's been an absolute privilege to have this conversation with you today, Danny. And say we, we've done it this afternoon. That certainly perked up my day. So in the meantime, folks, thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.